Hello. Hello. Welcome to At Home. This is a place where we explore all the nooks and crannies of what makes us feel at home. The good, the meh, and the messy. I mean, we've been together over 10 years and we still have a lot to learn about each other. <laughs> I've been with myself for a long time and I still haven't figured myself out. It's a process. Well, there will be heated debates. Yeah, because Drew has very strong opinions mm-hmm. about everything, like leaving the toilet lit up. Well, hey, we'll just bring in experts to help us solve those. What about you, though, leaving hair dolls in the shower? Ew. Uh, those are gifts. <laughs> yeah, that no one wants. This is all a part of our life at home. So last week, Linda sat down with my mom and her sisters to ask them questions and advice from their firsthand experience as moms. My takeaway was that I serve Linda and I need to give her more back rubs and basically anything that she needs. Anything. This week, I get to pick the dad's brains and get their perspectives from their experiences as well. So I'm sitting down with my dad, the big Scott in the family, He has known me for more years than anybody. So I'm also sitting down with my brothers-in-laws, if that's how you would say it. Uh, Wes is married to Linda's sister, Hannah, and Connor is with April, Linda's other sister. And I'm super excited because I have three sort of, I'll call them generations of parents because Connor has a one-year-old, Wes has seven and nine-year-olds, and my dad has 40-ish year olds. Dun-dun-dun, what will I learn? Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. <laughs> Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. All right, so, and Linda, you're in with me for this first one here. So this is the fun part. We're going to squish her in the middle of us. All 180 pounds of me? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you win? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the is start. Things, things not to say to your wife. Yeah. I'm pretty close. Daughter-in-law, a-okay though. <laughs> yeah. When okay. do you win? I don't know. Like one, one thirty-five. One. Yeah. Probably close to one. Two thirty-five. Two thirty-five. One thirty-five. Got our first. Uh, same difference. <laughs> well, this is. Um, this is a good week because last week I got kicked out and Linda and the mamas just hung out and had a little chat. And now it's the boys' turn. Yeah, what are you guys going to talk about? We, sh- we shouldn't tell her, sure. We have my dad here with me and then my brother-in-laws. I have, uh, we have Wes who lives right here next door to us. And then we have Connor in from Vancouver. I just need to know everything you can download for me to make the 
baby process easier once uh, we, we give birth. Well, I say we, but Linda gives birth. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great because when you leave from this conversation, you're going to be the best dad ever, right? I'm going to be a wiser best, man. I will have the power of three behind me. Before I let you guys go off with Drew, uh, before he grills you, what's one piece of advice you'd give me? Dad? Relax and enjoy it. See, that's my only job. Got it. Connor? <laughs> I would say enjoy your last few months of having some spare time. Oh no, we don't have a few months left. We have like a month and a half. A month and a half left. Yeah, mine's the same. Watch as many movies now as you can. Oh, we haven't even been getting to do that because of the work schedule. Okay, so there you go, Linda. Uh, easy advice. Now get out. Easy advice, hard to implement. All right, I'm going to go watch a movie. Oh, good, good call. Enjoy. So, Dad, you realize I'm now in the doghouse because you said Linda was 180 pounds. <laughs> no, very true, very true. Uh, well, I do thank you all for coming and hanging out and helping me because, I mean, you all have children. I mean, Connor, you're the closest to a new dad compared to the other two here with Wes already having three and my dad having three from four decades ago. <laughs> but... Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just wanted to start. Maybe the first part can just be digging in a little bit to hear what your experiences were like before and when you when your wives were having kids and then when, you know, you've been raising them. Maybe, Connor, since, you know, Charlie's only a year old, how, what was the experience for you? Yeah, it's been, some things have been a lot like what I expected. Some things have been a lot different. Um, time being the big one. I knew being a dad was going to be a lot of work. Um, I didn't realize how much work it was going to be and how much little time I would have outside of running a, running a business and being a dad. So for the first year, it's really taken over my life. But mm. I've, I've loved it. But there's, yeah, you, you, you give up a lot, basically. If you, if you want to be a good dad, you, you give up a lot. Your life's never the same again. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely never the same. It's, so then, Dad, when... when so you had JD, he's two years older than us, and then you thought you were just having one more Jonathan, and then I was a surprise. What was going through your mind when you were in, were you actually in the room? I was him? in the delivery room, yeah. Yeah, what was going through your mind when you when Jonathan was coming, and then when you found out there was another? You can be honest. Oh, oh yeah, well, there was absolutely no uh, notice that there was a second baby, so it was a big surprise, all right. Were you nervous? Well, maybe when JD was being born was your first, because this is Linda and my first. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I'm not as nervous as what all my other friends that tell me when they were having their first, they were really nervous or anxious. They just didn't know what to expect, but I'm not nervous. I, I feel, I know there's gonna be a lot that I'm not gonna be doing right. There's a lot I'm gonna learn really fast, but I I'm not nervous. Well, you know, there's so much to do at the time that you don't have time to be nervous. Mm. Do you... Uh, Practice Lamaze? Uh, we actually are working with, I mean, I don't even know what the classes are called. It's, I call it our baby coach. And as a part of that, it is sort of mental process and breathing and a few different things. I mean, Lamaze, I know, is a, you know, sort of the breathing side of it. But I think, Connor, actually, you were the first one to say this to me a couple of months ago, is that read all you want. It doesn't make the biggest difference in the sense that when you have your baby, you're going to realize it's all out the window and you're going to just learn by mistakes and figuring it out. And For certain things, yes. There is some things that you can learn in advance, like safety things and things like that. But a lot of kind of being a good dad, I think, is um, instinct. A lot of it just switched on. I might not have been the most prepared before Charlie was born, but as soon as he was born, 
I just knew how to do a bunch of things that April couldn't even believe at start. She's like, how did you know how to do that? And I didn't really know. It just instinct kind of kicked in. Yeah. So I would say have have some faith in your own ability to be able yeah. to figure things out right now that you don't even know. How, how are you? I mean, you have three kids yeah. and you had them all pretty close to each other, just like my parents did. But so what was that for you and Hannah, you know, especially when you had Will first and then the girls? What was going through your guys, your mind? For me, it was a lot like how Connor described it. There's like this switch that turns on that you just never knew existed inside you. And I've been looking for that with you, especially like when you found out that Linda was pregnant. But I guess like you both had been trying for so long that maybe it just didn't end up being the same way as it was for, say, Connor or myself. But like there are multiple switches that sort of clicked on at different points. And when the baby is born and you're holding it for the first time and you just look in their face and you can see like all these infinite possibilities of various futures. It's just, things just change in your in your life, in your mind. You, like all your priorities get reset. Like it, it's, it's indescribable really like mm. what kind of effect that has on you. Just like the first moment you do that. And like you just reprioritize everything across the board. And was and when you're looking at all those infinite possibilities, you're just the main thing in your mind is don't screw this up. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't screw this up. I should add that my switch didn't turn on until the day he was born. I was a lot like you. I wasn't nervous before he was born until maybe ten minutes before he was he literally came out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it all changed. Be honest, all three of you. Who cried in the in the delivery room? Not me. No? No. Oh, I cried. I <laughs> cried, laughed. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it, but I was crying and laughing at the same time. It was just this crazy rush of emotion. It was almost felt like an out-of-body experience. I, I know as a, a fact I'm going to cry. I mean, it's sort of like at our when I proposed to Linda, I expected, because she's very emotionally connected and, and emotionally deep compared to me, but she didn't cry when I proposed. She cried afterwards, but... Uh, I was I couldn't even get it out as babbling. I'll be the same in the, in the delivery room. I'm yeah, sure you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Well, but for me, crying is not a bad thing. I think it's just it shows how important something is. So one thing I think that I've learned over the past past bit with Wes, with you guys moving in next door, it's been so interesting because I'm sort of this take charge kind of a person. This is how you do it, and I see you know. I think for me, what I I go to right away is I just tell someone how something's done so that they can do it, move on. And I see how you are with the kids, or a lot of times if I've if something's not gone right, I kind of get I worked up and I sort of yell a bit, or I, I see myself that I could have been the same with kids. But for you, I've been really learning that you don't yell, you don't raise your voice typically um, in the way that you it happens from time to time, <laughs> but mostly you don't. And the way you you've raised your kids has been really educational for me because. It's communicating them in a way that isn't sort of like a, it's not a fear base or anything like that. And the way you teach the kids as well too, you have great conversation with them and you get them to ponder something and think through it and instead of just telling them how to do it. And so that's been really cool for me. So how did you get into your process of how you wanted to raise the kids? Oh, wow. I think it's just like, you think back to your own childhood and you think back to things maybe your par- you felt your parents could have done differently with you, like maybe they weren't as attentive or listening to you in one way or another, or you can, I don't know, for me, it was like relating to my kid and seeing the world, like remembering to see the world through their eyes mm. and treating them like they're on the same level as you was very important because I think a lot of parents, 
at least in my experience, tend to see their kids as like beneath them, as as inferior to them sometimes. And I just never wanted to treat my kids like that. I wanted them to like understand that like, hey, we're all going to make mistakes here. We're all going to mess up and we all have to learn from this together. Mm-hmm. And I find it so fascinating. Juno, Audrey and Will are all so different. But, you know, it's the same, like JD, Jonathan and me, we're all very different. Jonathan and I, you know, have a lot of similarities in some ways, but being twins, but we're still very, very different. And it's just fascinating because you're the, you're only the two parents or for a lot of families, you know, one parent raising these children the same way relatively, yet they all are so different. So that's what makes me always wonder about the whole, you know, nature versus nurture. Is that how it says? Like how if innately kids will have their personalities or they learn that from you. I think there's nature and nurture at play. Their nature, that's just what they're born with. And you're just trying to guide them and bring out the best in their nature. That's a great way of putting it. Nature, their nurture. I I like that. And Mm -hmm. I I like with um, when we were growing up, dad, you and mom were really... Um, great with us that you you made sure that you spent time. I mean, I know mom was at work, she was at the law office, but you would make time individually for each of us and pick us up one at a time for lunch every you know other week or so to make sure that you had one on one time. Yeah. How, how did you figure out what you wanted, how you wanted to raise us compared to maybe what you've seen with you know family and friends? My uh, interpretation of raising you was just mainly to. Let you grow up. To, to, like to mature? Yeah, let, just let you go ahead and grow into what you were going to be. Mm. Looks like you did pretty well. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still growing. I still have a long way to go. How was, how was us as kids different than when you were? Because, I mean, you were 88. Am I, am I allowed to say my dad's yeah. age? Am I in mm-hmm. trouble? Um, but at, when you were a kid, how, were, how are we, were we raised differently than when you were raised? Oh, I don't think it was so different. Uh, my parents were loving and caring, so there wasn't much difference, really. When I was younger, I pictured my—I pictured having a boy. I actually never even considered when I was younger. When, when people say, you want a family? I'm like, yeah, I want a family. I want to have a boy. He's going to play basketball. And he, I had all these ideas of what he would do. Huh. And then as I got a little more mature, somebody had said to me, um, well, uh, what, what happens if you have a girl? And it was like my world got turned upside down because I never thought about that. Then I was just like, oh, well, then she's going to play basketball and I'm going to coach her. And it was all the exact same things. And then as I get a little more mature, I started thinking like, why am I forcing all the things I love on the child instead of just having them do what they want to do and encourage it? Like you said, like nurture their nature. And uh, but then look at you guys next door. Like this has been a case study for me, having you and Hannah live in, in our neighborhood because we get so much time with the kids and then we see you guys spend so much time with activities and art classes and gymnastics and the things that the kids want to do. But um, how do you, is there a balance between what you want to encourage them into and then if they're doing too much that it's distracting from other things? Well, Hannah takes on a lot of that scheduling of like different activities and getting them involved in that sort of thing. Um, but... It's just really like watching them and listening to them, I think is the important thing. So we'll ask them every so often, are you still enjoying this activity? If not, that's okay. Like you don't have to stick with it if it's not really your thing. Just try to finish it till the end and then we'll switch it up and we'll do something that maybe you will like. And we let Mm -hmm. them have input. We ask them, hey, so do you want to do art or do you want to do 
uh, clay making or do you want to do something else? And with most kids, they're a little hesitant. Sometimes they might be a little scared. So we, we kind of nudge them in one way or another and, and push them to get out of their comfort zone. But, you know, for the most part. So we might sign them up to like, say, soccer and they'll be in it for like a season or something like that. Okay, yeah. So like they stick with it for that season. And you can kind of tell as they're playing, like say Juno, for example, she's not always into it. So really it might not be her thing. Like she enjoys finishing it up. She enjoys when she does something good in the game, but she oftentimes gets distracted. It might not really be her thing. Whereas Audrey and Will, totally into it. They yeah. really get involved in it. I think it will be obvious when a kid is into yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. So, so then here's a question for you, Connor. What happens, being the golf aficionado of the family, what happens if your child is not into golf? If Charlie that's, says, I don't want to. That's something I'm weighing up so carefully right now. <laughs> Because obviously golf is a huge part of my life and I would love for Charlie to get into golf. It's an amazing game. We could play it for the next 50, 60 years together. But what I have to kind of thread carefully on is the fact that my golf to me is what cycling is to my dad. And my dad tried to get me into cycling, but I had no interest into cycling. And every year he was slightly kind of like, he would buy me a new bike when I wanted a set of golf clubs or, well, he bought me golf clubs, but he, would, he was constantly trying to push cycling on me. And I didn't take to it at all and didn't have any interest in it. Yeah. So I just want to be careful and hopefully don't push too hard with Charlie, but hopefully just introduce him to the game and not be pushy. And yeah. hopefully we get to play golf for It co- for a goes long back time. to that idea of listening to your, your child. Yeah. That's the important thing. I think a lot of grownups forget about doing that. Right. Yeah, I think that um, something that goes through my brain is also that idea. Like it's so, it's so interesting to me here because the three of you alone, it's three different sort of generations of children here um, with Charlie being one, the girls and Will being seven and nine or almost seven and nine. And then with Jonathan, JD and me, you know, being in our forties and, you know, I, I feel there's a lot, there's been a shift in how, how, you know, how kids can be raised or how we are raised. And we're also in a digital age, which is different. So is that something that you're, how do you deal with that side of it? The whole cell phone thing? Cause I, I literally have seen kids that are maybe four years old walking around with a cell phone. And having social media accounts. Well, and stuff we've like managed that. pretty good so far. Charlie hasn't really had any screen time in the first year. I mean, he he looks over and sees us on our phones. He calls he calls my phone, Daddy. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. That's the, <laughs> he looks at me when I'm holding my phone, and he points at my phone and says, "Daddy." Yeah, and I'm the, like the uh, first maybe six or eight months, he would constantly try to grab my phone. He would see me on it all the time. Unfortunately, I'd say, "No, that's Daddy's phone." And then once he started talking, he started calling my phone daddy. That's so funny. He thought he was calling daddy at the start, but he was just talking about my phone. <laughs> yeah, how about the, the girls or Will? Do they, are they asking about having... So uh, we let them have screens. We limit their screen time. But I'm not opposed to screen time at all. But I want them to be productive with their screen time. So they don't have YouTube. Like just flat out, they're not going to have social media. They're not going to have YouTube. Um, basically anything that they do on their screen time is them being creative in one way or another, whether or not that's like playing Minecraft or some other game where they can actually like learn and create things. And that's the primary goal with that is just, I can't not expose them to this technology because it's going to be around them for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So I might as well introduce it in a way that is appropriate and, and sort of, uh, teaches them that screens aren't just for like uh, passive consuming, but they're active devices that they can interact with. Which I think is pretty fascinating because you see how smart they are with 
what, what they've learned or how they can build. I mean, I'm in the world of building here. And when Will tra- talks me through on Minecraft, how he's designed his ultimate tree, tree house, and he goes into the heavy detail of the secret rooms. And in this room, I wanted to have this furniture placement. And everything. It's hilarious because he literally should be on HGTV. Um, and then you look at the girls too, and they're so excited about, it was the other night during dinner, we were all together and we were watching, it was agricultural. It was the, the woman that was, what was it? She was farming, was, she, uh, was it lotus root or something like that? Yeah, it was a video of, uh, I think a family in China and they were, they had like a farm or something and they were growing all these different kinds of fruits and vegetables. Yeah, but, and it was so fascinating because Juno and Audrey knew exactly what it was called, the type of farming they were doing, the different vegetables. Even when I looked at it and they're like, oh, is that, uh, I think it was something like, uh, it was a certain type of nut, I yeah. can't even remember. And I looked at it because I had the spiky outer shell and I'm like, no, no, I think that's something. And then sure enough, a minute later, they say it was exactly what Audrey said it was. And yeah. It just goes to show like they use it for education and it's so exciting. Yet you look at Juno, she's sitting down and reading every two seconds. So just because she has screen time doesn't mean she's obsessed with it. She wants to go back to reading. And so that that balance, I think for me is pretty exciting to see. Yeah, Juno's obsession is books, not screen time, which is really, uh, it, it it's almost heartbreaking when you have to get a little bit upset at her and say, Juno, go to bed, stop reading. Juno, if you don't stop reading and doing the things that I always wanted to be, <laughs> uh, my parents wanted me to be doing, uh, you're in trouble. Yeah. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. Dad, for, for us growing up, what was your challenge with our personalities? Because Jonathan and I, like, I can only imagine if, if my child is anything like I was, I had a lot of energy and then you had that times two because JD was pretty low key compared to Jonathan and me. But what was a challenge for you with, with working full time, mom working full time, and then with the amount of energy we had, how did you cope with that? Oh, well, it was a lot diff- different then because there was no cell phones then, for one thing. Things were very different. For example, I managed to change my work habits from working starting in the late afternoon and working right through into the late evening so I could look after you guys during the day. Mm-hmm. Your mom would come home and she'd take over about 5 o'clock. Yeah, and actually that's something that's interesting. So my dad worked in the movie business for many, many years. And then when we were born, he stopped that so that he could be at home. And then my dad uh, was a child counselor and he would work with other kids uh, coming from uh, families where the kids weren't getting some of the attention that they really needed and deserved. And how, how did you find that? Because I remember you would take us with you and I remember you saying uh, several different occasions in different ways that this is a really good learning lesson for us to see some of the trouble these other kids have um, with their family dynamic and the lives that they live and, and what you're trying to do to help them. And this is something for us to be really thankful for what we may have at home and to try and share that or, or, or share our experiences with these other kids. Right. But, but how did you maybe describe a little bit of that for you and why you wanted that to be a tool for us and how we were raised? In two words, Robbie Jaltima. <laughs> Robbie Jaltima was uh, same age as us. Actually, no, I think he was a year younger. 
really, really sweet kid. Mm-hmm. Um, came from a very troubled, troubled home. Um, cerebral palsy. He had too. cerebral palsy as well. So he, he also had um, certain health concerns. Um, and what I remember is the only time, I remember Robbie telling me this because we would hang out, we would go to the leisure center, we'd go swimming, we would yeah. play sports. And I remember him telling me one time that the only time he really enjoys him, himself and his life is when he's with us which was super sad. And I don't think as a kid, I really respected that as much as I do looking back. And I know he continued to have a really, really tough life, but what's, um, so what, what did you think that would do for us? Um, spending time with these kids? Well, I figured it would show you the other side of the stick. You know, the, there was other people out there who didn't have as much as you had. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for me, what was, because we didn't, you know, we didn't grow up with a lot of money or anything like that, but we were very comfortable and we had some, you know, some land to run around and play and, and have fun and just be kids. And I think that was something at the time. I remember thinking when, you know, if it was my birthday as a kid, then dad would bring the kids that he works with to my birthday. I remember as a kid, I was like, this is annoying because this is my birthday and I want my friends to be here and it's all about me. And then as I got a little older, I started to respect what, the, these kids never had that. No. They never. They didn't have the money to have these sort of events. They didn't have friends the way that we had friends, and so it was such a huge thing to them. And so I always thought that that was really amazing that you utilized our life and what we have to be able to help other families. I think it also it gave me greater empathy for people from different walks of life, and and what they may be going through is not the same as what we are. Is that something you're going to try now bring to the table for your child? Because obviously you're successful person, your child is going to have a lot of um, opportunity, I would say. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about how you can probably try do something for your child that your dad did for you to try and educate your child on how lucky they might be? Yeah, I think the the thing that would be tricky for me is trying... Because Linda talked about this, we we never we don't want our child to feel privileged in any way because we don't want them in the sense that we don't want that to be an ego thing, and we we don't want them to ever think that they're better than other kids in their class. and And this is where we've also talked about: do we want them in a specialty school, some sort of a specialty program, or do we want them just in public school because then they have kids from all walks of life? Um, you know, we don't want our kids just to hang around with kids that come from families with money. And so, yeah, I mean, we, there are things we want to do. It's the same way that Linda and I like to give back. We do a lot of charitable work. And we even thought, you know, something if, I can't remember who it was that was telling us about this, but I thought it was a brilliant idea. You know, kids make an allowance, right? They do their chores, whatever else they might do, they get an allowance. And I love the idea that somebody was telling us that they have an allowance for their kids, but what the allowance is, is, you know, say they were, the kids made, you know, 50 bucks. $25 goes to the child, and then the child gets to pick a charity or somewhere that they want to give the rest of the money to. So they're always doing something for someone else and finding a way to learn about the being able to give back to people and support other families. So I thought that was pretty cool. You guys have any ideas of pick, something picking like picking rocks? Yeah. And then there's the other thing is my dad just used us around the ranch to pick rocks and paint fences and all that heavy work that I really didn't want to do. But I guess I have to thank you for getting uh, becoming handy at renovations and construction. Yeah. Well, it. Uh Taught you something. It did. It taught us the value of a hard day's work. That's right. Yeah. What What else would you do? Like, how else do you learn to be a good parent and raise good children? I think some of it goes back to what Wes said earlier. And that's kind of thinking about your own childhood. Like, none of us had perfect parents. My parents were really good, but there was a couple of things that I wish that 
they did differently. And mm-hmm. a couple of those things that I still remember, they're kind of key things for me, like moving forward with Charlie. Mm-hmm. So I, I would I would look back and maybe think of a couple of things that you wish were maybe slightly different from your childhood. And you can kind of take that forward and maybe, like Wes said about listening to exactly what kids want and not just letting them run the show, but just actually listening to your kids and not thinking that they're below you or you're controlling everything in their life. So yeah, this this is a good question for me because... Growing up, I mean, we were very a disciplined household. My mom and dad were very strict with their rules. But how I like to phrase it, though, is they weren't unreasonably strict. They were strict with reason. So, for example, I have friends that they wouldn't tell their parents if they're over at a friend's house, they're going to be late coming home. If they're supposed to be home at, you know, 7 and they don't come home until 10 or something like that, they wouldn't tell their parents. They just would stay out longer and then the parents would get all mad. And my parents were always reasonable. If we had to be home at a certain time, we had to. But if we were, if I was going to be late, I would call and I would say, hey, uh, we're going to be a little bit behind. Is that okay? And if it was okay, great. If it wasn't okay, they would tell me, okay, and I would come home. So it, compared to a lot of my friends, it was very strict. And I liked some elements of that. But then I see a lot of um, friends with kids now where they're very relaxed. It's like they, they never discipline in any way. And I'm not saying discipline is in like spank their children, but they're not, they don't set boundaries and stick to them. So how do you be flexible enough to let kids be kids while still having certain boundaries and restrictions that are important for them to understand that our world is full of boundaries? Where, where's that balance so that you're making sure you're still instilling the right values in your children? I think like you just establish boundaries. You make those boundaries known. You give them lots of reminders what those boundaries are and you just talk to them like they're reasonable people, like basically teaching them about consequences. Like that's the big thing that Hannah and I basically enforce is this idea of there's consequences to your actions. They can be good consequences, they can be bad consequences. And Mm. it's really up to you to choose what you want. There's also a lot of learning on the fly. Like as parents, we don't have all the answers. A lot of people who aren't parents yet want to know all the answers. How did you know how to do this? How did you know how to take care of them on day one? How do you know what to deal with? How do you know how to deal with conflicting siblings? A lot of it, we're just, we're, a lot of it is learning on the fly mm-hmm. and adapting and changing and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And yeah, some of your kids have to be treated differently than some of the other kids, depending on how they react to uh, discipline or authority. But so what do you, if, where we had karate um, to help teach us that self-discipline confidence, that sort of respect or empathy for others. Um, how do you instill that in the kids? Just by example or? Um, it's, well, just kind of teaching empathy. Like when you have three kids, uh, feelings are going to be hurt. They're going to like argue and fight amongst each other. So you just kind of break down whatever the conflict is. Like instead of the, like a lot of schools have this zero tolerance policy and a lot of parents sometimes take that on as well. I don't believe in that. I think it's silly. I actually want to figure out what's going on, where the conflict resides, who was not listening to who, and we kind of break it down from that point. And uh, and we teach each other empathy. We we t- we discuss like how did how did that make you feel when this person did this? And like mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot of effort and a lot of work, but it actually pays off in the end because then when I'm not around, they start talking about it after they. They'll, when there is another conflict, one of them will say, you're making me feel this way. And sometimes the other one responds, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about that. 
Which is the funniest thing in the world to see when Audrey and Juno are having this very adult conversation about feelings. I actually yeah. find it very funny. You're playing the role of the judge. You're you're getting the facts and you're uh, yeah. Well, you're finding out exactly what's going on. Exactly. It's 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 kind of strange because like being like that third party, you're impartial. Like, I mean, I don't have a favorite kid or anything. So I'm just like, I'm annoyed you guys are causing this problem. I want, you know, peace and calm in my house. So let's figure this out and let's resolve this problem. And hopefully they keep repeating those those lessons and, mm-hmm. and make it a habit and they've just become more empathetic to themselves mm-hmm. and to other people. I agree with you. Like something that's like a no tolerance. I don't think that's fair. If there was one kid bullying another kid, why should they both get suspended? Yeah. And sometimes there's a reason why there was another kid that was bullying. Maybe they were being constantly picked on and they just had enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To understand, ask more questions. I think just in life, that's a good thing, whether it's for your kids or your spouse or, or at work, asking more questions. Okay. We have a few minutes left. One thing that's very important for me to understand I need to understand the root cause of disagreements with your spouse because I think this is one thing, Linda and I already have differing opinions on certain ways as to how we want to raise our child. You know, we've, we've had disagreements over sleep training and a few, you know, having the baby in our room versus in the nursery. Connor, I'll start with you. What is one of the most common disagreements that you and April have? And then how do you work through it regarding your baby? <laughs> well, compromise is key. But one of the biggest things that we argue over is like temperature of the room, what the weather is like outside, how many layers Charlie needs to have on at, at a certain time. We kind of fight about that daily. And I'm, I don't know what the answer is right now. We're, we're still working on that. But every, people just have different opinions. Let, let me just, I want to preface this. So, you know, we're in California. So when Connor and April come to visit, they're coming from Canada, which is a little colder. But while we're here, I mean, it's, it's warm out. It's 65 degrees. Uh, anyone in Canada listening, that is, let me do the math. So 65, take off 30, that's 35, cut it in half. So it's basically, I don't know, somewhere around 19 degrees. But uh, so Celsius. But April will just be going from the house to the guest house, which is three seconds outside. And she will put on a thick jacket, a, a, a beanie, like a hoodie, and blankets. Forgot the socks. And the socks. Oh yeah, and the socks. And she thinks that he's going to get a cold or hypothermia or something going from the house to there. Anyway, just want to preface yeah. that. I, I think some of that's just maternal instincts that we just don't have. I mm. just I just can't understand that. It's only going to be a few seconds, but she just doesn't want to harm him or have him uncomfortable even for two seconds. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the key things that you will see pretty early on yeah. is that the the mom will just feel very different about a lot of things than you will. What's your biggest disagreement and how do you work through it? Well, you know, like initially with Will, it was the same thing. It was like, how much do we bundle this kid up? But we were living in San Francisco at the time and it would get cold there, but Will had jaundice. So he needed sunlight on his body. And so, okay, I compromised. She bundled him up inside. The moment I got outside, the layers started coming off because we were getting <laughs> hot and sweaty. And you know, he got some sun on his face and like he never got sick. There were a lot of things that happened, but there were times where uh, I remember the first time I took him to a park and uh, he sat on the swing and you know, he might've like touched something and then put his hand in his mouth at some point And he got the, uh, I think they call it like the 48 hour flu or something like that. And we, I brought him home. He was fine that evening. The following day, he started burning up. 
And we were really concerned. This is the first time he got sick. And we brought him to the, the pediatrician. She checked him out, said, no, nope, nothing to worry about. Give him some Tylenol. He'll fight it off. Mm. Sure enough, like the following day, symptoms started to recede. And that was that. It was kind of like this virus that hits him. He gets it once and never gets it again. Listen, you're telling some great things and skirting around. I want conflict. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to know I, I what would, you suggest, and Hannah bump heads on. I would suggest <laughs> before even your baby's born, Drew, some of these big items that you really try hash it out now. Yeah. yeah. Because you can have lots of ideas. And it was the same with us. We said we were going to do X, the baby was born, and we do Y. Yeah. Because yeah. then emotions kind of take over. So if something's really important to you now, yeah. I would suggest trying to really figure it out before the baby's born. I think that, that that's a great, I mean, we've already been trying to work through that a little bit. It's sort of like um, doing it now is sort of like a trial of doing it because we know that trying to do it when we have the babies, we're going to be twice as exhausted mm-hmm. and distracted. So, but dad, I still have to come to you. So what's one thing when raising us, what's one thing that you and mom were bumping heads on and how did you resolve it? I just did what your mom told me. (laughs) (laughs) Smart, smart. No, your mother was a really good mother and she had everything under control and and I let her take the lead, yeah. Well, I think that the thing that excites me is Linda, my personalities are so different. And, you know, in in our therapy sessions too, like our therapist says, it's, it's a really good thing to be in a relationship when your personalities are so different because when you're raising children, it gives them two different perspectives, which which can help round them out a little bit more and have them be a little bit more worldly instead of just having one specific uh, point of view or how they're raised. And so to embrace how we're different and how we want to raise the child slightly differently. As long as I, th- I feel we have a united front on on certain things, you know, how we discipline or, or whatever it might be, but to let our own personalities shine. Just relax and enjoy it. Yes. Here, here. Here, here. So for now, I'll relax and enjoy every movie possible. And then come the child, I won't see movies anymore. They will be my movie. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll be all the videos I get of Charlie or of the girls or Will, um, just being them cute selves, whatever they're doing. That's better than movies. Even for somebody as busy as you, Drew, you're going to realize how much spare time you did have in your, yes. in your past life. <laughs> in my past life. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to help me. This is the power of the dads unite. And one day I hope I can only be as half as good a dad as you guys are. So thanks for your time. You're welcome. Now, do you mind babysitting? (laughs) Can I go on vacation? (laughs) And by the way, we have an amazing team and just want to say a huge thank you to all of them. We could not do this without them. Brandon Angelino. Annalie Bell. Hannah Fan. Courtney Iwanis. Wes Friend. Chris Cobain. Nicole Schachter. And Sabrina Ayakovici. Also, our theme music is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson, and our music composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a few seconds, don't forget to subscribe and rate. Yes, please do. Please do. And also leave comments on our social media at At Home. We love to hear from you. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. (laughs) Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like 
lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm-hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.